I want to welcome everybody to uh, to this live webcast and to everybody who's going to be watching the recording. Um, I want to really thank uh, Rabbi David Cohen. Rabbi David Cohen is um, uh, the administrative RC here at the uh, CRC, the rabbinic uh, uh, coordinator. He is uh, the go-to authority that we look to in the office for guidance, for the research, for the insight, for the knowledge in terms of um, what is going on in the Kashas realm and uh, giving us guidance in terms of how we should proceed. And not only do we look to him, but people in other Kashas agencies and consumers around the country and around the world are in touch with him and rely on his research and his word, uh, especially during Pesach and during the complicated times. So he has, uh, in addition to the knowledge, he has a lot of the practical insight and the experience of some of the complicated things that come out, some of the behind the scenes complications that uh, the cautious world is grappling with. And uh, we turn to him generally for the bottom line as Rabbanim, as part of the CRC, we have the, um, the Swiss to here, a little bit behind the scenes of the considerations that are floating around and what goes into the decision-making of how the CRC is creating policy, what the CRC policies are, and giving a heads up to the Rabbanim in terms of some of the issues that are uh, percolating this season in particular uh, around in preparation of Pesach. So thank you very much, Rabbi Kong, for taking time out during this busy time. And again, uh, this is a, a very much appreciated uh, service to the Rabbanim. Thank you. No problem. Thank you, Ramisovsky. Um, I'm really here not Ramisovsky presented as if I'm you know, going to be sharing all kinds of information. I'm really here to answer questions. It was posted or I was told it was going to be a question and answer. So I'm more than happy to answer questions. Um, I know one question that came in beforehand that I'll mention. Uh, I can talk about that. Uh, and then it's open to everybody who's there. To, if you have questions for me um, or you can call me afterwards, um, you know, you'll I bet all of you know how to find me. Um, Okay, and the question was about medicines and to explain um, what goes on with medicines and what our positions are and uh, when we do or don't recommend specific medicines. Um, medicines, for whatever reason, are one of the most common questions we get about Pesach. People have all different types of medicinal products they want to use. Um, and the, there, there are really um, four questions that we ask for year-round and for Pesach to decide whether a person should or should not use a particular medicine. Uh, I'll mention the four questions that there are. Um, those questions are the same for year round and for Pesach. Um, the, the answers are not always the same, but the questions are, are the same for, for them. Um, the first question, the first question is whether the, it is not particular order, but the first question I'm gonna mention is whether the item in front of us is edible. Um, if the, the item that I have in front of me is not edible, then it doesn't make a difference whether it's kosher or not kosher or chametz or not chametz, um, and you can use it no matter what. And and that answers the questions from most items that adults take. Um, as as you probably are familiar with the CRC's Pesach letter that comes out, letter comes out about medicines, which says that things are in pill form or other inedible forms are doesn't make a difference what, what they're made of. You could take them no matter what. So the, the the majority of things that adults are taking are covered by that um, and don't get included. However, um, liquids and chewables um, are, and powders are not covered by that. Um, we treat them as edible. There's a question whether they're, they're edible or not, but we treat them as if, as if they're edible. 
Um, and accordingly, the, the, the focus of questions that people have to ask us have to do with those things, liquids and powders and um, chewables, lozenges, and things like that. Um, so then we have to deal with our other questions. Okay? And another question, another one of our four questions that will help us resolve that is, um, what are the ingredients? What's inside of there? What, what is, what's in this medicine or this medicinal item, I don't use the word medicine, medicinal item that um, might not be kosher or might not be, uh, or might be Pesach sensitive. So for that, um, that that's, re that's really where the cautious people um, have an extra knowledge or extra say in what's going on over here, being as we have a familiarity with how food is made and how a lot of these ingredients are made, which ones of them are or not chametz, or which ones are kosher or not kosher. So for example, most people wouldn't think sorbitol is a kind of sugar or a kind of sweetener, uh, wouldn't think that that's chametz, but in fact, it could well be chametz. Um, so with in ingredients and, and kosher and non-kosher, Thing. So the same kinds of questions are um, Miralax, there's a, there's a lax to Miralax, so it goes by a lot of generics of the same thing. Um, it's, it's made of uh, polyethylene glycol, uh, and, and it, it's made from petroleum. There's nothing to it. There's nothing, it's not, it's not kosher sensitive, it's not Pesach sensitive. So there, it's in an edible form. You mix it with, you know, with a drink and you drink it down, but it makes no difference because the ingredients are completely innocuous from a cautious perspective and from a Pesach perspective. So that uh, lots of items are permitted for those reasons. Okay. They, have, they don't have any ingredients that's sensitive to it. Okay. Our, our next question is, um, <clears throat> assuming that it's an edible form and the ingredients are sensitive, again, for year round over Pesach, the ingredients are sensitive. Now we have a question is, well, how sick is the person in front of us? Um, depending on how sick the person is, if the person will be a chodeshiyesh sakana or even a suffolk sakana, they can pick anything. It makes no difference what they have. It makes no difference whether it's kosher or, or chametzik, et cetera. It makes no difference. So, so for example, we tell people uh, any antibiotics, they can take, that makes no difference because by, by and large, antibiotics are all taken for things that are suffolk sakana. We sat with doctors who explained to us, you know, what each thing, if we didn't take the antibiotic, what would it lead to? Not, not every case, but just about every case is something that leads, is a suffolk sakana. And therefore, um, it sort of makes no difference what's in there. It happens to be they're not terribly sensitive, but but it, makes, it really wouldn't make a difference. And we tell people, we, we don't ask them for the ingredients on the antibiotic. We say, it makes no difference what it is, you could take it. A step down from that is the which is many people who take things. There's no sakana, if I, if I don't, for most people, if they wouldn't take a laxative, that's not a sakana, um, but they're could be totally non-functional if they don't take this medicine, this medicinal pipe item. Um, and for those things, those kind of people are allowed to eat things that are only asum drabanan. So year round, that's very important because they can eat many things that are asum drabanan. Um, so lots of things that might be sensitive for everybody else are okay for these people. For Pesach, that means those people can eat kidneys. Um, and um, it plays a role in one other way, which is there are lots of things that you'll see on our list um, as listed as being, I'll explain how our list comes in a second, but you see it on our list as being um, possible chametz or suffer chametz, as a, most of those things that say possible chametz, suffer chametz, however it's written, are things that are the the ikradin is the probably not chametz. We can assume that they're probably coming in America. They're probably coming from Kenya's, um, so just the way those kind of things are made. And therefore, for a rate, most people would say is most people wouldn't want to eat something that's possibly chametz. Of course not. It's Pesach. Why would I want to eat something that's possibly chametz? 
but a person who's chalish em basakana, a person who's you know not functional, he's not he's bedridden or he, he can't sleep or he can only sleep or he can't get out of bed, he's not functional. That kind of a person, uh, under a rabbi's guidance, may be told he could eat this thing that maybe Mikhaidin is probably okay. So we so we write as possible comments, leaving it for a rabbi to make that call of how sick is the person. Maybe they should be eating something like this also. And the lowest level of a person being sick is called a mechosh. If somebody does something that's uncomfortable or something just for general health and well-being, then it's not, not any anything um, so significant. And so for, for that person, is not permitted to do any surim. Uh, and they have to know whether the thing in fact is kosher or is not kosher. Okay. And our, our fourth question that we ask, we had three questions so far. Our last question is, is there a substitute? Which is to say is even if something is mutter from the person because he's a cholwa, et cetera, he's, he's allowed to have this thing, um, but if there's something else that's equally good and he could have that, that does the same, help him just as well, then he's not allowed to take the medicine. Um, and so there are certain things that are, we would say is don't take it because the thing right next to it is something just as good that does, does the exact same trick um, to get him just as healthy and is, is not, so therefore he can't take this item because um, it's possibly, it, it, it is or possibly ulcer, um, and therefore he shouldn't take it because there's a substitute that doesn't, he should, no reason to take this one instead. So now, knowing those four questions, um, that's how we make decisions for all of our medicinal items for year-round and for Pesach. Um, then the, for, for year-round and for Pesach, we have a list uh, it's on, our, on our website, our over-the-counter medicine list. It's on our app. Um, it's on ESCRC. Um, the same information. Um, and and we, we research different items, and we put out information about them. There's now a difference of opinion of how to prepare a list like this of medicinal items. Um, other lists, many of the other lists that you see out in the public of items that are okay for Pesach, um, the way they're made in the United States, and those lists are made by um, talking to a company and saying to the company, the manufacturer, saying, tell us, is this item chametz or is it not chametz? Essentially, that's the question. Is this item chametz or is it not chametz? Um, and they're, they're relying, now the people who are answering the questions are, of course, not Sharmatara Mitzvahs. Those are the people who don't have, from the halacha, don't have nemanas. But they're relying on them because it's umanamarinasri. They trust the person as the professional to give them an honest answer to the questions. Um, and that in itself, the umanamarinasri is a question whether it actually applies over here. But assuming, let's say, that it does apply, then it's a question of the application. Does the person who answers the question really have the information to answer my question? As an example, I said to you, mentioned beforehand that sorbitol um, is something that's kosher sensitive. So we call up a manufacturer and say to them, tell me, is your sorbitol made out of wheat or barley, you know, I mentioned five different grains. They say to me, no, we have no wheat or barley in our product. You say, we know, but, but, say, but what about the sorbitol? You say, well, no, okay, Mr. The person who, who sells us the sorbitol, tell me, does it come from wheat or barley? He says, no, of course not, call my manufacturer. And he calls the manufacturer, he says, no, it's not, it's not made from that, it's made from glucose. Um, oh, okay, not made from wheat, barley, okay. Say, no, 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 Mr. The person who makes glucose, tell me, where do you get your glucose from? He goes back to his supplier and say to his supplier, tell me, is it made? Is that glucose made from wheat or barley? Now, depending on where in the world it is, it could be from chametz, or it could be from kidneys, or it could be from something totally innocuous. So there's a lot of layers here. When I say to the manufacturer of the, of the medicine, tell me, is your sorbet full of chametz? Really, I need, I need that question to move a whole bunch of steps back to the person who, where the chametz potentially is. Um, and the question is whether that's really going on, and uh, is the question making it all the way back to where the person who really knows the answer to that question? Um, so for those reasons, we're not, we don't feel comfortable um, asking those kind of questions to manufacturers and feeling confident that the answers we get back 
tell us the truth. So our list instead looks at it without knowing anything about the, the manufacturer, about the specific ingredients. We look at the ingredients, we know what's in there, and knowing of those ingredients, and we say, hmm, Kelly, are these ingredients sensitive? That was our second question. Are these ingredients kosher sensitive? Tell me, who takes this medicine? Is this taken by a person who would be a cholish? Who would be taking this kind of a medicine? And is it in an edible form or is it not edible form? Is there substitutes? All of our four questions that I mentioned to you, we, we, we think it through as if the person is standing in front of me and saying, I would like to take this item. Can I take this? So those are the four questions that have to be asked. And we say, seeing the ingredients, knowing the person who takes it, is this acceptable or is it not acceptable? And then based on that, we re either recommend or don't recommend the product. Um, or in the, in the case of Pesach, we might say that it's a, it's a possible hummus. Possible hummus, which is to say is, um, we need the rab a, a rabbi to deal with the actual individual and say to him, tell me, explain to me the condition you're taking it for. Tell me how ill you are and how you, why you need to take it will help us decide whether um, to allow it or to not allow it based on the amount of suffering that there is to this item. So that's how we answer Pesach questions. Um, we, that's how our information that's on there on the public. Um, we, in spite of, or maybe because we have so much information out there, uh, we got lots and lots of questions about medicines um, up to, to the last minute before Pesach. Um, and just for whatever, forever it's worth, um, before answering a question, in almost every case, we're gonna need to know the ingredients that are in the product. It plays into answering the question. Um, so we tell people, and we could tell if you, you could pass it on to people, if you have a question about a medicine, the best way to get the, the best way to get a quick answer is to send a picture of the item together with all the all the packaging that's in it so we can get it, the information about the active and the inactive ingredients send it to info at crgkosher.org um, and someone can look at it who, who would whoever looks at it all the kind of people who would be able to answer that question um, will pass it to the right person who can um, and by this way you're providing all the information that we need to hopefully be able to give you our accurate answer to that question Okay, that's what I have to say about medicine. Um, if anybody has any other questions, please, uh, I see everybody's muted. Um, so if I'm asking, maybe you could unmute people so they can. Um... Yeah, everybody can unmute themselves. Uh, yeah. Or I think if a, a year in, people should be uh, used to the Zoom format by now. Rabbi Khan, I know there was some, uh, here in Chicago, there was some talk about um, some soft matzahs and then some do it, make, do it, do it yourself uh, matzah baking kits. And um, can you just describe the, a lot of the rabbanim were, were of course, um, understandably not in favor of this. And I think you looked into some of what the potential problems could be. Could you could you discuss that? Um, I can partially answer your question, and that is um, the first step is. Um, Rabbi Reese said that the, Ashken, the custom of Ashkenazim is to not use soft matzah and only to use the hard, crunchy matzah that we're all used to. Um, so for Ashkenazim, that's sort of the end of the story. Um, if you can't, you can't use soft matzah, then it doesn't make a difference. You can't use them. Um, for Sephardim, Sephardim don't have that minute, and therefore Sephardim potentially could use it. Um, but Sephardim, like with any other food, particularly a sensitive one like matzah, would need to know whether the hashkacha people who are certifying it are doing a, a good job at giving hashkacha on it. Um, I'm not going to speak publicly about another hashkacha um, or a particular brand of product, um, but I will tell you that producing matzah kashna pesach is um, it's a sensitive uh, process. Um, there's a lot of halachas that are involved in it. 
like for example, most people don't know um, that you can't, this, this halacha is about the amount of sunlight that comes into the room when you're baking matzahs, right? That's an example of something that you would have never dreamed is relevant to making matzahs. And there's, there's lots of, you know, pages and pages of Shulchan Aruch of the dinner that has to be done. Um, and it takes a lot of effort. I, I know from just experience in seeing matzah bakeries, we certify our own matzah bakery in Eretz Yisrael. Um, there's a lot of effort goes into doing it right. So um, as with anything, you would only buy from a reputable hashtacha, here that much more so it's, it's a particularly sensitive item to make sure it's done right. Um, if someone wanted to make matzah at home, uh, they would really have to know all that information also. They, it's not just now trusting hashkacha, they would need all of that information and yes, a certain amount of experience or even to be able to do it in theory, you can do it, um, but it's, it's not an easy thing, to, not an easy thing to do. Um, and you really need to be well prepared in order to do that. So I don't recommend people do it at home unless they really know what they're talking about. And hashkacha-wise, it's just the simple answer is it has to be a good hashkacha. But the more complicated answer is that um, this is something you have to be, you, you want extra careful to make sure the hashkacha knows what they're doing because um, it's, it's a complicated hashkacha. And just, I, I sent you in the chat also, somebody asking about CBD, hemp, uh, marijuana on Pesach and the status of that, if it, is it kidneys? Um, I, I have to check. I don't, I don't remember. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check now. I, I, the, the, answer, the answer to the question is, is that, I'm not gonna answer until I answer. Hold on, let me, let me check for a second. Before answer, I just like to tell you know what's going on right now while I'm talking to you. Um, I'm ask CRC. I'm looking. I typed in in the Pesach section. Look, to the word hemp, um, and it says there that we treat hemp. It's, it got back two answers for hemp, um, and they said that hemp is considered kidneys. Um, so, so that's that's an easy answer to the question, which is that hemp is kidneys. The the, the question of which things are kidneys um, is quite an interesting and intricate interesting and intricate question as to what we treat as kidneys. Um, and um, if you want, Rabbi uh, Mustafsky, I can find you the link for a sharing about it. Um, people can listen to that if they want to, to hear more details about it. It's quite interesting. Um, so it, it, it's kidneys, so then we're out of business for that. Um, even if it weren't to be kidneys, the extraction, it's an extraction. It's something is removed from the actual plant. And that extraction um, can be done with, with solvents that are sensitive to Pesach. So it would need hashkacha, even aside from the fact that it's kidneys, it would need hashkacha um, because of the process of making it. And for kidneys, any product derived from it would be problematic? Correct, correct. There, there are, there are, were and are those who think that um, things that like the oils that come from kidneys are not, are not considered uh, kidneys. Um, the Ramah says that it is. The Ramah himself, he's, he's talking about uh, an example of um, a person who has a uh, lamp in their table, you're allowed to have hanar from kidneys, you're just not allowed to eat it. And so the Ramah says, talking about a person has a lamp that uses oil made of kidneys. So you're allowed to make use oil <coughs> made of kidneys to get light from it. That's okay, it's much as to have hanar from it. It's not to eat it. The Ramah talks about what about the fact that it might drip onto your food on the table. Okay, but the assumption was, of course, that if it would drip and get into your food, then it would be an issue because because it's because the thing is kidneys. Well, that's only oil of kidneys, and the Ramah is pretty straightforward. Then, of course, that that's included in the assert. 
and so would be CBD if it came from there. If hemp is kidneys, then CBD is as well. Okay, two, two uh, other quick questions that I've recently asked. One, um, are there, do you have any knowledge of any antacids that can be used on Pesach? Any, what was that? What'd you say? Antacids that can be used on Pesach? Antacid. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, I know just add me antacid if that appeals to you. Uh, I don't remember, again, I, if, 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 I, I can look on SCRC just like you can. Um, that, that's what I would do. I just type in antacid and see what, what comes up on their Pesach. Um, there's, there are others who recommend Tums. Um, not this year, but in previous years, we spoke to the Rabbi Machshub of Tums. Um, and, and there's two potential issues with Tums. One is a simple one, which is that it's kidneys. Uh, that's a simple issue. So it would only be permitted to specific people who are cholim enough that they're allowed to eat kidneys. That, that's the most obvious issue. Um, but assuming we got past that and the person was a cholim was allowed to eat kidneys, um, it, it's kidneys um, mixed with chalk, mixed with uh, flavor. So we said to the Rabbi Masha, can you tell us? And he says, well, um, I can't tell. I have no idea whether the flavor has comments in it. Um, we went a step further and we were in touch with the people who give hashkacha to the flavor. Um, that's not the person who gives hashkacha to the tum, it's the person who gives hashkacha to the flavor. They also said they could not determine whether it was or was not hummus. Um, So we didn't feel we could possibly recommend it. Others who were recommending it are ignoring the possibility of the flavor as hummus. That's a halakha issue, whether we should or should not ignore the flavor. It's a little complicated. Um, we don't believe that we should ignore the flavor, and therefore we didn't recommend it. Uh, again, the, the Rabbi Master himself said it has the flavor. He didn't tell us the flavor. However, we roundaboutly were able to be directed to what who, the people who certify the flavor, and they said they couldn't make that determination. So, you know, that was the end of it for us, for Tom, you know. The concern of the flavor is, is kidneys or it's more? Likely that it's kidneys, but, but it could also be hummus. Again, we said to them, we said, don't tell us if it's kidneys. We know it's kidneys. The whole thing is it's made of cornstarch. We know it's kidneys. We want to know if it's hummus. And they said, tell us that it's hummus free. That was our request. And they said they looked into it and they said no we can't say that it's common street they weren't able to make that determination so you know, they give us to it they know what's going on in there um so I, I sort of can't be smarter than they are you know um the people who recommend it is, are not trying to be smart they're just saying we're ignoring the possibility that the flavor is hot they're not they, they, they have a lot of reason why they want to ignore it um we weren't comfortable with that um but they're not because they know about the flavor again we got deeper into the flavor than we think they did Another question that people ask just about this year, if there's any updates about steamers for Haggadah, do you know of any, uh, any, any steamers? So, so there, there are two conditions of kashering and that as a result of those two conditions, um, sort of usually makes it that you can't kasher with a steamer. One of those conditions is that you need to kasher uh, with a liquid. Um, Ramayusha says we don't kasher things with a vapor, with steam. Uh, we can only cash it with steam if it turns into a liquid, but in the end of the day, we need to have a liquid on our, in a sense, on our counter. That's usually what people want to use it for. Um, <clears throat> we need to have a liquid. That's one condition. And the second condition is that we can only cash it with water that's approximately at a rice temperature, a boiling temperature. Um, it's not boiling because it's poured out of a cleavation, but give or take, it's, it's at a boiling temperature. And what happens is the steamers tend to do one or the other. Either they're so hot that there's no liquid on the counter, um, so they're very hot, but they miss the first condition of being a liquid. Or the other ones uh, give out uh, liquid, it's water, but the water is not at a boiling temperature. 
is not anywhere near the boiling temperature that we need. Uh, and therefore, we use most steamers that people try fail for one of those two. It's either too hot, it's so hot that it's steam, or it's not so hot and it's not hot enough. Um, so there are steamers that are capable of cashing. Um, we, seriously, last year bought a machine that someone had told us about, it was cost about $1,000. Um, and that machine was fine. It did a good job. Um, if you watch, we have a, we have a video on our website about cashing steamers. And in there, you can watch me cashing my counters with the CRC steamer that we bought. Um, and it worked fine. Um, it, did, it was hot and it was water and it did a good job. It was neat and safe. It was wonderful. Um, but most steamers that most people want to buy are like in like the $50, $75 range. Uh, and they don't do it. It's, for, again, for one of these two reasons that they fail. There, there are people who have... Uh, Jerry rig, different kinds of devices, or found special ones that are able to do it. Um, there's someone in town, Rabbi Zlatopolsky, uh, who does it. Uh, we watched him kosher, and his was fine. He was he was doing it fine. It was water, and it was hot. And if people call us, we tell them they should use him because they could use him because he does a fine job. Um, but for your average person who just wants to just you know buy one on Amazon and go to Target, uh, those steamers tend to not do the trick. Does anybody else have any uh, any questions for Rabbi Khan? You have to unmute yourself. What you doing? One second. And if anybody else has any questions, uh, now is the good time to ask. If you have any questions for Rabbi Khan? While everybody's thinking, I'll just mention one thing. I mentioned before about medicine. The same thing applies to many other items like uh, pet foods and, and other foods and all kinds of cosmetics, etc. Um, the, the, the first stop we recommend people is look at Ask CRC. If they don't find it there, then take pictures, uh, including the ingredients, and send it in to us so someone can look at it. Um, and that's, that's what helps them, helps you get an answer faster and helps us give that answer. A lot of the confusion that I hear from people is when they they figured they can pick up any guide, whether it's the OU guide, the Star K guide, the CRC guide, and see if something's okay. And then they realize that they bought something based on one guide, which doesn't seem to coincide with another guide. That happens. If that happens, um, we, we hear more of not yet, but in like a week of I, I already cooked for Pesach and I realized that I that this item uh, wasn't crushed for Pesach. So, um, that that's not yet. That's going to be like in a week. People will start with that. Um, so one, one of the things that somebody somebody asked me um, the other day is the CRC policy of toothpastes and how mm -hmm. that differs from other agencies. I don't know if it differs from other agencies, um, but the CRC policy is that we, there's a question whether toothpaste and mouthwash and lipstick, they all, this is a very similar, whether they are or not considered edible. There's different ways of judging edible. Uh, one way of looking at edible is that it's something that if you had a choice you would eat so like for example if i put out pepsi and sprite and um uh, tooth and mouthwash which one would you choose so if that's the criteria would it would you choose to eat it nobody in their right mind would choose listerine okay everybody would pick the pepsi or the sprite nobody would choose, choose listerine so that view says that mouthwash is not edible the other way it says is edible just means is can you get it down so could you swallow listerine if I gave it to you? Yeah, you could swallow listerine, it's fine. 
if I if I gave you toilet bowl cleaner, you couldn't possibly get it down. You know, if I gave you some dirt, you, you couldn't possibly get it down. If you if you view edible, if that's how you view edible, then mouthwash and toothpaste and lipstick are all, are edible because yeah, if you need to, you could get it down. You don't you wouldn't choose to, but if you need to, you, it's okay. You could have it. I mean, we all know that little kids eat toothpaste. You know, um, and so you know you could if you wanted to, you could get it down. So for year round. So seriously, takes the position that those things are not considered edible, and you can use anyone you want to. Um, on our website, we list toothpaste and mouthwashes that don't have shilosim, who have almost no shilosim, uh, for those people who want to be mocked. But overall, if you call up the CRC and say, hi, can I use this and this toothpaste? We say, all toothpaste is fine. Um, we don't consider it edible. For Pesach, um, people more mocked. <clears throat> the CRC takes the position that those things are not considered, are, are yes, considered edible. Uh, and therefore, you should only use them if they're free of chametz. So um, that, that, of course, sends people scrambling to try to find items that they need, they, they want, toothpaste, mouthwash, and lipstick. Um, so for toothpaste, for toothpaste and mouthwash, there aren't many great choices other than the ones that have hashkach in them. Um, so they're the ones that I made special for Pesach. I don't know if we have any others on our list that are acceptable other than those. I might be wrong. Um, other than ones that have hashkach. For lipstick, uh, at first, for years ago, we used to tell people the same thing. You need hash, you need hashkocha, or you need one that, that's okay for Pesach, which basically meant there was nothing. There was nothing to do. There's no lipstick for Pesach. Um, then we started looking more carefully, and for the past number of years, we'll look at you know dozens of lipsticks. Look at the ingredients. We we get a list of the ingredients, and then almost all of them were okay. They almost none of them had chametz. They loads of them had treif. By and large, they were made of animal fat. So you know we people were okay smearing animal fat on their lips, but not comments um but we so we we looked into them and we and every year we recommend dozens of these are ones okay these ones are not okay well these ones are a suffix if they're okay or not um under the assumption that maybe that they, they were considering them edible but they they do not there were no ingredients in that was sensitive for comments wise so we were good recommending them um that would that's been going on for a number of years including this year you go to ask and you type in i don't know i don't know if maybelline is on this year type in maybelline and the name of your variety and voila it tells you if it's good or if it's not good um, that only helped, but you know, for the dozens that we looked at, we only we only could see that many choices. I mean, how many can we look at it? So, you know, there, there's lots and lots of varieties of lipstick. Um, so then we created last year, um, it's there again this year, a lipstick checker, which is you can go to the lipstick checker and type in the ingredients yourself that are in your lipstick, um, and it helps you. You know, you only have to type in a few letters, and it shows you what what you really meant to say, and then press submit or something, and and it tells you it'll answer for you whether the lipstick is okay or not. Which is to say is, we took all that information we had from years of checking lipsticks, and we have thousands of lipstick ingredients we've looked at. The computer knows those ingredients, and you tell the ingredients that are in your lipstick, you press the button, and it tells you you could use a lipstick or you can't use a lipstick. Um, sometimes, of course, there are ones we didn't get. Just today, someone wrote in, you know, I used your lipstick checker, and it had this ingredient. It wasn't on your list. Um, so then we, we, that way, we, you know, we answer the person that question, but basically they had all the information themselves. Uh, they did most of the work themselves. Um, and you can do it yourself also. You can take your lipstick, um, to take, uh, I'm thinking about here, we'll subsequently see on, on the screen, at least the names I recognize. Um, but go home and take lipstick in your house, look up the ingredients and type them in yourself and you'll see the answer whether you could use them or not. Thank you. Okay, just uh, checking again if anybody has any questions for uh, Rabbi Cohen. If nobody has any other questions, we'll uh, thank Rabbi Cohen and uh, let him get back to all of his work. I think uh, it's a busy time of year, but Rabbi Cohen's generally very busy.
And I'm sure there'll be many more questions in the next week and a half before Pesach. So uh, thank you, Rabbi Khan, for everything. You're welcome. I hope we got this, everybody. Thank you.